Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indie. You've got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck finding a publisher and more remember it's discord.gg slash indie game business what's up everybody i'm indy and that guy right over there that's mr j and this Morning. is indie game business we have justin french with us today Hello. and justin is what you're from dream harvest right that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Dream Harvest in the UK. Dream Harvest in the UK. Is there a Dream Harvest in the U- anywhere else? Or <laughs> <There's>, uh, <laughs> there is actually there, there's a uh, um, horticulture company based in the states called Dream Harvest as well. I bet they grow cannabis, oh. right? <laughs> oh well, no, they 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 they, they grow um, uh, cabbage, pretty much. <laughs> Who dreams about cabbage? I mean, who knows? <laughs> people that sell cabbage. Yeah, they're like I, I go tonight. What kind of cabbage can I make? <laughs> oh my gosh, look at these little cabbages. No, those are Brussels sprouts. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Hey, thank you for the 100 biddies, Tarlicus. What's up, Rulin? Okay, so we have Justin here. And what are we talking about today, Mr. J? So we're going to be talking about turning your community into an extension of your team. Mm-hmm. Also known as indentured servitude and or slavery. I mean, <laughs> no, not, that's not what it is. So, Justin had a wonderful post on uh, Kama Sutra that I saw recently and I was like, this is awesome. Do you want to come you know, talk about it on the show? And he said, yes. And so here, here we are. Um, so Justin, tell us a little bit about you know, how you actually got into the industry and walk us through your career up to, up to where we are now. Sure. Um, so I've had a kind of a, a bit of a, interesting path into the industry so I, I previously used to work in the music industry as a um recording and mix engineer that's uh, all the equipment was... right to your right there yeah. yes um while i was doing that i was also um advising musicians on uh the business behind the music industry um there's, there's a lot of very very talented musicians out there with no business acumen whatsoever uh, and they never make it because they don't realize that business is, is is just as important as you know talent and creativity that sounds familiar uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> uh whereas there are a lot of like untalented musicians that have got great business acumen and then end up making millions um so yeah, so I ended up working in the music industry for a while, uh, and then I uh, ended up getting a job at a company called um, Side. They they produce dialogue for the games industry. Um, while I was working with them, I, I worked on a, a very large number of uh, very 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 big projects uh, like Star Wars: The Old Republic, uh, Fable Two, um, Warhammer just, Space Marine. Just some little things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was with them for a few years, and then I. Moved to um, their main competitor, OM UK, 
um, which uh, I had the chance to then work on things like um, Broken Sword 5, um, RuneScape, uh, God, all sorts of stuff, like crazy, crazy number of projects. I also, uh, at the time, uh, I was also uh, a freelance teacher, so I was teaching game design and development uh, at a local college where I uh, changed the curriculum to teach Unity uh, and game development um, because the curriculum was awful and they wanted to try and teach uh, these students visual basic and app development, <laughs> which I thought was like not really uh, relevant to today's industry. Um, and I also worked in recruitment as well as a games and tech recruiter. Uh, so I've done all sorts of different things. Uh, while I was doing all of that, I was also doing freelance work for a lot of indie studios, doing sound design, composing, uh, project management uh, and consultancy. Um, I got sick and tired of kind of working with bad managers and uh, working on crappy mobile games and decided I want to start my own studio <laughs> to work on bigger games, um, try and push what's possible really um, for kind of developing bigger games with smaller teams. Um, and that's kind of where we are now uh, with Dream Harvest. We, we've been developing NeuroSlices, our, our current uh, project, for about four years. Um, it's been a journey, uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, really exciting time at the moment. Um, and and uh, just now really looking to help other developers really um, with things like, you know, community management. So I've had to throw, throw myself into this, these types of things. And I'm more self-taught as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I am at the moment. All right. So you've been working on Neuroslicer for four years now. So what's your, where is it in the process? Are you close to launch or are you, where, where are you? Where's the, where is the project right now? So we uh, we did a pre-alpha back in April last year, um, which was awesome. Great feedback, um, great you know reception was awesome. We're now working towards our alpha, which we're hoping to get out by the end of this year, um, and then full launch will probably be towards the end of next year, beginning of 2021. Um, it's a very big game, being developed by a very small team. Um, it's, 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 uh, you know, we're, we're combining solo PVP and co-op gameplay into a unified campaign experience. We're really trying to push the RTS genre in a new direction, both gameplay wise, narratively, um, mechanically, uh, and system wise. Um, because for, for us, uh, the RTS market really, uh, at least in our own opinion, hasn't really changed the games that have come out are all a homage to the games of the past rather than trying to do something new with it. Um, so we're we're taking our time and and making uh, doing lots of iteration and, and and really working with our community very very closely to make sure that what we're making is is going to be something that people want to play. It's triple I. Somebody just said triple A quality <laughs> on an indie budget, and I saw that yeah. somebody called. I'm not taking credit for that. I totally stole that from something. I saw the other I'm like. That is an awesome term for it. It's, it's triple I. Yeah. Which, triple I, yeah. when you start writing it, it looks like you wrote three. So, you know, it's like, maybe that works. Maybe that doesn't work. So, before, I mean, that's a long time. To, and now it's opened up a whole, like, load of questions that I didn't even plan on going into. But mm -mm. funding a project as an indie studio for four years and you've got another possible two to go, who's paying for this? <laughs> so uh, for the first two and a bit years, we were self-funded. Um, so 
uh, and, and only working part time. Uh, so the amount of work we've actually done hasn't been four years worth of work. So for the for the first two two and a bit years, we were all part time. We all had other jobs, um, and we were funding things like you know paying for freelance artists and and um, and all of us were unpaid. Uh, we then successfully uh, managed to a investor um, back in 2016 uh, that allowed us to bring on our art director. So we were then a team of four. Um, we then secured additional investment from Korean investors uh, at the end of 2017. Uh, we've closed three rounds with them since then. Um, and we've just secured a very, very large round of investment from a British investor. Uh, and we're about to close another very, very large round of investment from a, an unnamed investor. So no publishers, all investors right now. All investors right now, yeah. So we should have you. We should have you back on the show again to talk about that process because that's <laughs> that. that yeah. I mean, that's that's impressive. I mean, it's not easy to go and do that as a small studio. That's an art form it's, in itself. It is. It's been it's been a learning curve. I mean, to be honest, you know, as a, I'm an audio guy, I've had to learn the business side of things. I've had to learn the community and marketing side of things. I mean, I've, I've pitched to a ridiculous number of publishers and investors, um, and and each time you do it, you refine the process. You know, you find out what people want and um what people expect and you know the we're creating a very 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 ambitious project um with a very small but very very talented team um and that's always at the forefront of the way that i pitch um in order to secure money so are you looking to do early access or anything no i i think early access for a game of our type is probably not a good idea um you know we are a predominantly online competitive game, even though we have solo and co-op. Um, we are also a live service game. So we want to launch with uh, as much content as possible uh, in order to, to kind of keep player retention as high as possible. Um, and then continue to add content as time goes on. Uh, I think if we were to do early access, uh, we would <coughs> risk potentially um, not having enough content to keep people interested for long enough. And also our content plan would have to be um, a content release plan would have to be much faster than it would have to be if we did a full, full release, uh, because people would expect new content on a very very regular basis. Yeah, uh, which would kill kill our team completely. Um, so yeah, so, we, so as I said, we, we want to take our time with it. We want to get everything right. Um, but the way we're doing it, instead of doing early access, we're going to do like a number of alpha and beta rounds over the next year or so. Um, so there's always going to be chances for players to, to, to test the game and try it out and give us feedback. Um, and yeah. so if they go to your Discord server, mm -hmm. I'm assuming those folks are going to be the first ones to get to test it? Yeah, so everyone on the Discord server will get access to the closed alpha at the end of this year. Uh, it's the only way to get access to the closed alpha um, will, is to be on the Discord. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, discord.neuroslicers.game um, is probably the best way to, to get on there. Awesome. All right, so let's let's dive into you know what we're actually here to talk about. You know, <laughs> we actually stay on topic here. Um, <laughs> so right, the whole gist of the article is about building your community pre-launch and mm -hmm. being able to leverage that community in a variety of ways. So. Mm -hmm. Just very simply starting out, you know, why should you be building this community, especially for a studio like yours that, you know, you're like two years from launch. 
Mm-hmm. Why should teams be looking to build that development community? I mean, b- build that consumer community that far out? There, there are a number of reasons. Um, one of the major ones is, is obviously the, the market itself has become incredibly flooded with so many games. I mean, obviously the the, the route to market has become much easier due to the, the low cost of game engines. I mean, anyone can release a game on Steam now. Um, one of the, the key ways uh, in order to kind of mitigate the risk at launch is to make sure that you have a, a, a large group of people ready to buy the game as soon as it launches. Um, there are obviously a number of good reasons for that as well, because, I mean, yes, first of all, you, it means you're, you're making money on day one, but also uh, it affects the algorithms, um, things like Steam um, <clears throat> and other shop fronts that, that obviously sell a number of products. Um, you know, the more sales you get on day one, the more wish list you get, um, all helps to keep you within the kind of like, you know, the, the new releases um, list. Um, but also one thing that, that's really important is is if you create a game completely blind uh, and without getting that feedback throughout the development process, there's a high chance that what you're building is is, is really only being built for, for you and your team, which as a commercial entity, as a company, that is pretty much commercial suicide. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we're making games, yes, for ourselves, because we love making games, but we're really making games for the players out there, the, the, the people that are actually going to be enjoying it, talk, talking talking about it. Um, and, and so why not get them involved in that design process from a really early stage? I mean, you know, you don't need to, to listen to everything that they say, but at least taking on board their thoughts and their and their feedback will help you make better products. Um, I thought, you know, that's my personal opinion, at least. No, I mean, it's, it, it's good. The reason I ask is because you don't typically see... Well, one, you don't typically see indie games been in development for six years. But mm. the other side of it is a lot of these companies, you know, the ones that come to us, the ones that we talk to, so many of them are sitting there going, okay, well, we're launching in three weeks. Now we should, you know, start planning for some marketing. <laughs> and, it's, it, you know, we've had a, a nice group of community managers and marketing folks coming on the show and saying, this is not how you do it. And so this is, to me, it's almost like a, a deeper dive because, you know, you are that much further out, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're, you're all, all your reasoning is, is dead on. I mean, you mm-hmm. need this feedback. You need to have this engagement and, you know, all of that stuff ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's essentially it. Um, all right. So you talked about, you know, all of the, the variety of reasons that you know games fail, and I want to run through this real quick because it's you do hit a good a good number of them, but you know no one knows about the game because there was no marketing at all. Uh, you're launching at the wrong time, so everybody's preoccupied with something else. Also called the "do not launch your indie game in Q4" rule. Um, the game doesn't look or feel polished enough. You know, no one wants to play it because it just doesn't resonate due to the you know, the visuals, the mechanics, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Your pricing strategy was wrong. <laughs> You're riddled with technical issues. Um, and you over, you overpromised. And then, you know, that lack of engagement with the community leads to a lot of negative criticism and, you know, lack of trust, basically. So, yeah, you know, when we're looking at all of that, so 
what are some specific ways that you've seen these situations get resolved by having that access to the community early on? So to be completely honest with you, uh, I, I've seen more studios do these things and actually not know what to do next uh, than I have seen studios actually effectively building pre-launch communities. Uh, there, there have been a few that have done pretty well. I mean, um, uh, is it called Downhill? No, not Downhill. Um, one of the games published by, I think, either Fury or... Uh, I'm just going through my list at the moment <laughs> of, of, uh, of um, Discords. Uh, Descenders, I think, was was done really, really well. So they did a, a really big pre-launch community. Um, the game was a bit buggy on launch, but because they they uh, initially bought that community, they were very open with them. They got they gave them access to stuff quite early on. Um, the the feedback wasn't negative, uh, and they worked with the community to improve things. Um, but it's very, very rare. I mean, I've seen so many examples over the last year of really, really awesome games, or games that, that had the potential to be really, really awesome, uh, that that didn't bother to, 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 to build that community before launch. And when I questioned them about it, you know, when I said, oh, oh, so what are you guys doing on the community side of things? They're like, oh, no, we're concentrating on just building the game at the moment. Uh, and that just makes me cringe. I'm just like, are you guys insane? Um, it's because it's it's so essential. I mean, like, People don't have to do it as early as we. I mean, I think we are very, very rare. I mean, we as we started building our community before we even had a playable build available. Um, the game was super, super early. But people should be building communities at least twelve months. I mean, at the very latest, at least six months. I mean, even six months is a bit too late. Um, you know, community is part of of the long term marketing plan in in, in many ways. Um, but right, so, so, so that. how do you start developing a community a year or two out when you don't have a game to develop the community around yet? Uh, cool artwork, concept arts. You just share things everywhere uh, and, and start start generating discussions. I mean, it's all about uh, positive discussions around cool stuff that you can share. Um, you know, it, I think we started sharing just... Um, yeah, so we started posting videos on YouTube and then showing those on Twitter and then people started following us and then we just kept on doing that and it creates a cycle of kind of feedback and people are commenting and then you've just got to keep commenting back. And then when we eventually launched our Discord, we, we very quickly started to grow that because we had already built up a repertoire with people across other social media. Um, events as well, going to events. I mean, the moment you do have a playable build, go to some of the smaller, I mean, like super tiny events. And, and get people to sign up to newsletters, get people to sign up to your Discord or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think what's really important is to have genuine conversations with people um, and not not just come across as I, I'm the developer of this game. Um, so basically you know, ask people what they want to see in the game, even if you have no intention of giving it to them, right? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I called think, marketing, Andy. <laughs> marketing, marketing, marketing 101, no, right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I think I'm I totally think just joking. I mean, I just have to pipe a, in every once in a while with some. There's, there's a way to go about doing it. I mean, like, 
so, so, so for us, like our community is very much like an extension of our, of not just our team, but like of our family, almost. Um, you know, we are so open with them. We we tell them about everything. We tell them about our, our monetization strategy, the fact that we're going to have in-app purchases in the game, and I explain to them why we're going to have that. And um, and and you know, it's all about honesty and and and. You know, the reason we're doing it is because we want to continue to be able to develop content and uh, we want to continue to be able to hire people. We want to grow the team. We want to be able to develop more products down the line. Um, and who better to have than somebody that is passionate about your project? Right? Yeah. Who better to have? Exactly. Well, so we got another question, not to get you totally sidetracked, but Nightwolf <laughs> says, how early to reach out for community would be best? At idea phase, modeling, crash demo, only made game parts be what is seen in the demo or enough playable game show a full demo what's what's your opinion on that i i think you should be getting feedback the moment you, you, you have concept art to be honest like the the, the moment you, you 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 have something that you can show whether it's something playable or whether it's just concept art or a a, a you know a white boxed mechanic prototype share it with people whether it's close friends and family or people within your own your own local game dev community you want to be getting that feedback as early as possible um you know never keep things too close to your heart uh always always aim to get feedback and, uh, and you know the hardest the most hardcore fans are the ones that are like i remember when this was just a box you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly 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 <clears throat> i've been around that long <laughs> it's funny because we, we we still have the original prototype video on our youtube for neuro slices and it was in 2d uh, it was vector arts uh and the, the only mechanic was you could place and remove blocks to change the pathfinding of the units uh, and we still have that on our youtube channel for people to see um and it's really fun actually to be able to see the whole um uh process and the development from from like the super early prototype to where we are now uh and and, and what's awesome as well is that when you do come to launch you can do like a whole kind of um you can put, put together like a whole development book uh, as a product you know like uh that, that shows how the game evolved over the x number of years that you were developing it um you know merchandising is a is, is another very that's another topic in itself that i could talk hours about but um but yeah i think it's it's really really important to show that process and get people to oh my cat just join me uh, <laughs> <laughs> um that's how yes. some of my music gets made cat walking across the keyboard <laughs> bom, bom, bom. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, so uh, my opinion is as early as possible. Uh, a, a lot of people are really afraid to steal your idea. Um, don't don't be. You can't. Fact, yeah, that's the, those are the developers. We'll go to a show and they're like, okay, well, before we talk about this, you need to sign an NDA. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your idea is not that good. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> but it's not that good. And if it is, you still have to execute on it. That's where you know exactly. The, exactly everything gets separated it's not like yeah. god if i had a dom for every time somebody goes like a great idea for a game I'm like yeah well so do i and so does <laughs> everyone else who's in this industry like literally everyone else in this industry yeah, 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 yeah. so you know you talk about building a community hub which you know i hadn't thought of it in that way but i mean yeah that, that's a, a, a brilliant starting point so so what needs to be in that hub and oh yeah, and the other question I had for you before that is, when you're doing this initial outreach super early, mm -hmm. what social media platforms did you have the most success with? Let's do that one I, first. 
yeah yeah sure so so um probably twitter um twi- tw- i was very it was the first time i'd ever used it, to be honest was was when i started the studio um but yeah twitter twitter was really good for just sharing things um and and getting you know initial likes and people following us and um but we we built the initial community i think via going to some really small shows uh and just sharing the game and and then getting people to sign up to our newsletter um so i i think that was the the first initial way we built the community was through the newsletter um but yeah, I mean, Twitter's great. Facebook, I don't like so much because uh, the algorithms are all over the place at the moment. Um, I.e., if you post something on your Facebook page, um, uh, the algorithm will only share it with a small percentage of your of followers. Um, and based on the amount of engagement, it will then share it to a wider, a wider variety of your, your followers. Uh, Instagram is awesome. Uh, if, if people aren't on Instagram, they should be. Uh, we see really high engagement there. Um, the issue with Instagram is uh, normal posts, uh, links don't work on them. You have to do paid posts for that. But we've actually uh, seen the best click-through rates, um, pay-per-click on Instagram, if you are going to do paid, paid advertisement on there. Um, YouTube is all right. Uh, I wouldn't advertise on YouTube, though, because it's very high cost. Um, same with Twitter, actually. It's really, really high cost per click. Uh, what else? Um, IndieDB is, is pretty awesome for uh, posting blog posts. Um, so yeah, I think I, those those are kind of the main ones. I, I'm pretty sure I have a list. But <laughs> um, so on Instagram, is it are you sharing just mainly concept art and gifts? No, so so we we show um, we do a lot of photos with the team and the studio and. Uh, when the team can do get-togethers, when we have board gaming nights, um, you know, we we share the inner workings of the studio uh, through Instagram, as well as you know, concept art and stuff. But we see our highest engagement with the studio stuff rather than the game stuff. Really? Yeah, people yeah. like to see that. They like to see what's going on. So that's your new Instagram um, stuff, Jay. You got to take pictures of you and your dog um, in your yeah. studio. Yeah. Well, people my my mother-in-law is in town and she brought her dog so my dog has completely abandoned me because she has to go <laughs> protect everything that she owns from the other dog now so that's the reason she's not in here snoring with me right now she's afraid that buddy might accidentally get one of her treats somewhere which don't exist because she eats everyone on like instantly but anyway that's where mine is but that's i mean that's that's good insight because you don't i mean i would not have thought that i would i would have figured your highest click-throughs and engagement rate would have been through you know gifts of gameplay or, and things like that but uh that, yeah that, i mean that's it, true on on twitter on, on, on twitter gifts of gameplay and that gives good click-through rates but um but instagram it's different like that's the thing for each platform uh you need to cater your content to that particular market um, just posting the same content across everywhere and using the same hashtags everywhere isn't effective. You actually need to make sure that you're catering to a very particular demographic and user base that, that is working within that particular um, social media outlet. Nice. Yeah. So, all right, and, and now, you know, typical for the show, I forgot what my other <laughs> question was. Um, oh, so, so you're building your hub. So what goes into your community hub? So, um, 
lots of people. Uh, community members is, is the first thing that goes in there. <laughs> <laughs> we need people. Uh, we just want bodies. Just give us some bodies. <laughs> yes. Um, so well, one of the really important things is, is to kind of start on a really good footing. Um, you want to have a good set of rules. Um, you know, you want to try to mitigate any possibility for uh, future toxicity by setting some ground rules uh, within your community. Um, these can be, you know, there's there's loads of examples on other discords all over the place. But um, you know, the main thing is like no harassment, no, uh, you know, don't answer, uh, you know, don't argue with the mods um, or the dev team or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, look at other people's discords for, for examples. Um, you know, we're, we're very lucky. We've had zero toxicity with our community. Um, ah, we can fix that. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. we, we also have a zero, to- a zero uh, tolerance policy on toxicity, and we just throw people out if, if, if they are. Yeah, we have um, the don't be a dick role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what else? Uh, you want to obviously make sure that, um, uh, you know, you have a set of rooms that are for specific topics, um, but like it's really important to not have too many to start off with. Um, people will generally, uh, I mean, having like a server suggestions channel is really good because then your community can suggest ideas uh, as to what um, new channels you can maybe add or other features you could add. Um, making use of bots is awesome. Uh, bots are very, very powerful uh, with Discord. Um, we actually developed our own bot that integrates with our backend systems for our game. So during the pre-alpha, uh, it was actually able to, uh, to show like match results to players within a channel, um, and we would uh, show the top top ten players every week, um, as well as who's online and all sorts of other like other stuff. Um, what else? Like having a fact uh, is really helpful, like a fact channel that, that that players can kind of go into, and and you have all your kind of common questions that that people have asked. Um, Discord now allows for uh, a variety of other new channels types, one called the news channel, which allows you to actually post news to not just your own Discord, but to the wider uh, Discord community. Though I'm not entirely sure how that works exactly. I'm currently waiting on the Discord um, community team to, to explain it to me. Um, and Discord also allows you to have your own store channels now as well, which allows you to sell your game through Discord. Um, so, so the news channel is what you and I were talking about earlier. So yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In theory, whatever you put on the news channel pops up in everyone's activity feed. Uh, it's supposed to, yeah. I mean, you can choose to send it to the activity. Uh, so after you put something in the news channel, it asks you whether you want to post it to to to, um, to the activity feed. I'm checking Which my activity is... feed again to see if it's changed. No, my activity <laughs> feed is showing just games. Yeah, I, I, it might be because we're unreleased. Um, but I'm I'm currently waiting for the. The um, I'm in the, I'm in the Discord community uh, leads Discord at the moment, uh, and they share tips. Well, well, tell them we're in the middle of a very important interview. We have to have this answer like right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need this now. <laughs> um, so, and, and I noticed y'all have like six bots in the server. So oh, yeah, we're not even using half of them. So, so okay, the all right. that was my next question. Like, I mean, are, they, are you using them all, or what do they do different? You know, what sort of so so there are so many different types of bots available for Discord, um, and a lot of them have loads of extra features that you probably won't ever use. I mean, we use uh, Dino Bot at the moment to automatically assign roles to people once they join the server. 
uh, after X amount of time. Uh, so we actually block um, access to the majority of our channels until you have a role on, on our server. Uh, and this is to kind of dissuade people just joining, spamming uh, a link to something and then, you know, leaving, um, which, which we obviously stop you from doing. Uh, we have a bot that allows us to do giveaways of Steam keys. Um, we have a bot for doing polls. Uh, we have a bot called Stomped, which is a feedback system that's actually integrated into the game. Uh, that allows us to gather feedback and then people within a, a special channel on Discord can then vote on that feedback um, to see if they agree with it or disagree with it. Um, we have a, a Trello bot that allows us to show um, our roadmap, but actually we're not using Trello anymore, so we get rid of that bot. <laughs> uh, and so then we have Neurobots, which is our own bot. So yeah, lots of bots. So once you've got everybody in place and you've built this, you know, mm -hmm. what have you found that works with the players that doesn't work with the players? I mean, do you run the risk of, you know, one of those things that we just talked about in terms of, you know, how a game can get out of hand of, of promising something and then, you know, creating a bunch of ill will because it doesn't make it to the final cut, you know, what works, what doesn't work, and, and how do you balance all that stuff? So, uh, once again, going back to the thing, you know, we we have said we wanted to do certain things in the game, but we framed it in, in such a way that it's like, we want to do this, but we, we can't guarantee it's going to be in the game. Um, you know, and I think if, if we were to say, okay, this is definitely in the game, and then we don't deliver it, then obviously people are going to be pissed off. Um, but we but we don't we don't frame it we we never really frame it like that like we always say hey like what do you guys think of this idea we would love to get it in the game we, we're going to try to to you know to, to prototype it and if it works we'll keep it um, people love that you know because it builds conversation about uh, you know the the features that you're trying to develop um, I think I think once again it's all about framing it around discussion um, you know. And, you know, we, for instance, we, we, we share stuff in our dev progress and votes channel. And it's, it's, it's more like, hey, we've just done this thing. So it's a mock up. What do you guys reckon? Um, and then we look to get feedback on, you know, constantly put feedback that way. Um, if people don't like it, then we ask why and, and, and we, we try to fix it or change it or, or whatever, really. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, once again, it's, it's just all about that constant, um, loop of, of feedback and discussion and honesty with the community all right it's a you know part of that is getting that brand strategy you know in place so because you need to know what kind of customers you want to bring into that communication hub not just mm -hmm. anyone and everyone because obviously that, that doesn't work you know you outlined a lot of specific things one of them is the elevator pitch which you know we've talked about many times on this show but mm -hmm. you've got a good one and, and it should be good because you've been doing this for you know three or four years <laughs> um so i'll read it real quick so neuro slicers is a highly tactical cyberpunk rts that turns the genre on its head by focusing on fast macro and total information gameplay short eight to twelve minute matches epic global objectives and a dark cyberpunk narrative campaign that seamlessly blends competitive pvp co-op single player into a truly unified game experience. Okay. 
in reality, that is a lot of stuff in yeah. an elevator pitch. But that's why it's an elevator pitch. You know, you you have to be able to sit down as a developer and convince all of your USPs and, and all of that sort of stuff into something, you know, mm -hmm. like this. And so you've yeah. got, I mean, what is it? It's an RTS. It's, it's, it's a, you know, tactical RT, RTS. You know, mm -hmm. why should I get involved? You know, you're going to have a lot of information in there. The matches are short. You know, you've got a narrative campaign. And here's the, you know, different types of gameplay that we're going to, you know, mm -hmm. recommend. I mean, that we're going to have. So that's a really good, you know, elevator pitch in, in and of itself. So the question is, how do you, as a developer, how do you go about figuring out what to plug into those slots? You know, the, the vision, the mission, and the values, you know, first. I mean, let's start with that part. You know, how do you take this idea, this game that you have in your head, which obviously, you know, you as the developer know, and I'm speaking you as in general, you not like, <laughs> Justin, this is just for you. Yeah. you know, it's like, you know, as a developer, you know in your head how this is going to play out, how the game's going to work and all this stuff, but it's hard to sometimes laser focus that into something like this. So how mm -hmm. should a team approach identifying what their, their vision and their mission and their values are? Um, so, um, someone's got these mixed mixed around. So, um, generally, what you want to be doing is, is obviously discussing this team. Um, actually, let, let me just refer to my notes because I, I I actually wrote the notes down. And for me, this I, I swapped traditionally in branding. Uh, two of them are swapped around, and and I did something different <laughs> with with um, uh, with this. Uh, but yeah, so. The main things really is um, as as a company, and, and uh, you you often develop the values, um, mission, and oh, what was the other one? Uh, listen, let, let, let me just bring up my thing. Two seconds. Uh, here we go. Um, so, brand strategy, vision, mission. So with with the vision, um, you want to try to determine like how exactly you want your game to be perceived by other people. Um, you know, you might be making a, a platformer, or you might be making a first-person shooter, whatever. But like, why would people, you know, want to to play your game over over something like if you make a first-person shooter? Why would they play your game over something like Call of Duty? Um, what what really makes your game unique, and, and what um, what features really make make it something amazing? Because I mean, what, what's the point in making a game if it's, if it's going to be the same? As I think that's the that's also really it's, it's something that really annoys me actually with the, the whole um, uh, indie space. Is a lot of people just end up doing the same mechanics over and over again with a new lick of paint, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, Next, really, is, your, is obviously your mission. So, so how are you actually going to reach your vision? You know, what what are the, the, the strategies that you're going to come up with um, in order to reach that? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what our ones were. So, um, with the vision, 
we said we uh, we want to create a deeply immersive, narrative-rich, and highly tactical experience that is loved and enjoyed by both hardcore strategy fans as well as a wider uh, wider mainstream. An unparalleled strategic gameplay experience that puts the player at the center of the story and lets them be in control of their own destiny. Um, you know, this all sounds kind of a bit over the top, but this is really what we we're dreaming that our game is going to be. Um, but obviously, you need to work out how exactly you're going to get to that. So, so for us, we wrote uh, we're going to focus on high-level tactical player uh, play, shorter matches, high-intensity battles, and exciting, memorable edge-of-your-seat moments, and wrap it in a deep narrative-driven campaign that combines solo, co-op, and PvP, which modernizes the genre and brings the strategy uh, brings strategy games into the mainstream while offering lovers of the genre a brand new experience and set of challenges. I mean. Very much what this is all about is is what are your USPs? What what are you doing differently to your competitors out there as a company and as a, as a game developer? Because if you're going to be developing a game that is like someone else's game, what's the point in developing it? Because you know why why are they going to buy it over your game? Uh, I think that's, that's I'm very important. familiar with that argument. It's it's getting the rest of the industry to be understand <laughs> that aspect that yeah 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 exactly keeps exactly. this show going. <laughs> Um, and then, and then, you, and then your set of values really kind of like what, what are your core pillars uh, as a as a uh, for a game? And also, you could do the, the same thing for your own company as well. Um, but yeah, the no, the, 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 the show no video games. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 values for us obviously like we're focusing on deep tactical play. We're we're focusing on easy learning curve. Uh, we're focusing on an exciting and rich narrative, and we want our game to be highly immersive. Uh, so for us, these are these are four things that uh, I feel that no other RTS game does, um, at least to a certain degree. I mean, a lot of them have deep tactical play. Not many of them have easy learning curve. Um, some of them have exciting and rich narrative. Very few, if any, have uh, are, are highly immersive. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's. Um, I, I don't know if I even answered your question. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> To, to answering the questions is <laughs> relative to this point of the show. That's still, that's, but I mean, so, but you brought up a good point, and, and it's something that I see more than I feel like I should see with developers not understanding what their USPs are. And it's like, well, players like Fortnite, so they're going to like our game. That's not how it works. No, you, no, no. You have to have something different, which you know, and this is going to dive off into a whole completely different rabbit hole, but the, the reason Fortnite stays relevant. And there was just an article I saw, you know, maybe two days ago talking about how viewership and engagement with apex legends has gone downhill since basically they stopped paying people millions of dollars to play it. And <laughs> Fortnite hasn't it's because Fortnite turns around, you know, and, and implements these things. And everybody's like, oh, well, they copied someone. So everybody in this damn industry copied something. There's just no, the original ideas aren't that common, you know, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. what we do. But, you know, because Fortnite can sit and identify things that people really like, people really love the ping system in Apex. They like mm -hmm. to be able to respawn their, you know, teammates when they're down. Yeah. Well, what can you do now in Fortnite? You have a ping system and you can respawn your teammates. Mm -hmm. You, you have to understand your competitive 
marketplace to be able to do that. And, and I think too many times developers are, you know, sit back and go, well, I don't want to, I don't want to play the other games because then someone might accuse me of stealing of it. Well, if you don't play the other games and you don't understand what you're up against from a business point of view, you don't have any a compelling product. Yeah, you know one 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 thing that's really important though uh, is the majority of, of successful games uh, take a, a UX first approach to the way they develop their systems. Um, you know, one of the reasons why Apple was always so successful, why well, it still is so successful, is because they took a user experience approach to everything that they developed. Um, and and Fortnite is incredibly approachable comparison to the majority of other um, you know battle royale games out there um, both visually mechanically um, you know all these different things help help with with um, create experience that that is um, playable for a very very large demographic of people um, and and this is completely off topic obviously though it's, it's to do with communities it's to do with um players or marketing but but user experience uh and, and, and taking a user experience approach and, and and the user interaction um focus to the developing of games actually helps a lot with making more successful products um and it's why it's become so popular uh ux uh within the uh, app development uh, or even um uh, hardware development uh, and engineering, uh, and it's it's quite a new thing within the gaming space. But but these companies that are um, you know focusing a lot on UX research and and UX uh, design are um, becoming more successful. And you know if you're out there listening and you are a UX expert, Justin's team is hiring a UI UX person right now on yeah, the uh, <laughs> on, on their jobs. Is your jobs page actually live again now? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. It is, it is, it is. It is, it is, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll post that up there so, so folks can, can see it. But all right, so let, let's once again go a little bit off topic. The reason Fortnite is able to do this stuff and iterate on it so quickly is because, as we now know, and, and if you've been in this industry for more than six months, you should have assumed this in the first place, there are people there working 80, 100-hour weeks. And it's it's ridiculous you know, everybody's going to be on the internet and outraged, as I told a buddy of mine at Epic. They're going to be outraged until the next article comes out about the next studios doing the very same thing. How do you manage, you know, production internally? I mean, from a high level, because I know you're not like the overall production person, but how do you keep your team members from being at work 6,800 hours a week? Um, it's hard uh, to be honest because uh, like we we don't obviously push for crunch um, at all. We uh, one of the issues that we have is um, part of our team doesn't come online until seven p.m. in the evening, uh, and some of us um, obviously work full time. Um, so what we generally do is we we start quite late uh, in terms of work. We we start working around eleven in the morning, uh, but then we'll work until about seven. Um, so we're doing eight hour days, um, but a lot of the team are so passionate about the game and so, uh, that they end up still, you know, being online and still chatting and still working. And I, and I, and I don't push them to do it. Like, uh, I don't even push them to do eight hour days if they don't want to. Um, and, and obviously we, we, we have a policy at the studio where you, 
um, you know, flexible working hours. Um, if you need a holiday, people can take a holiday. Like we, we are very, very flexible in that respect. Um, but we're a very small team and, and our core team, they will have equity in the company. Um, so it's really up to, up to them how much they want to work. Uh, I personally are, uh, am a complete and utter workaholic and, and I'll, I'll work crazy, crazy hours, but I'd never, ever, ever expect anyone else to do. I see. That's what, you know, I wrote a big old long Twitter thing yesterday and a friend of mine's like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I hope it goes viral. And I'm like, well, that would <laughs> greatly depend on someone actually reading my Twitter page. Um, <laughs> the problem isn't with the executives at these companies. You know, I mean, it, that's part of the problem, but the problem goes all the way down, you know, the list because it's, you know, executives having their head in their sand and going, we don't have a crunch problem. We don't tell people to crunch, but they kind of do, you know, <laughs> and, and it yeah. gets down to, you know, the people that are the middle management that's sitting there going, well, you don't have to be here and you can leave if you want to, but there's all this stuff that has to be done. That, I mean, that is a major issue. It's unattainable milestones and unattainable uh, goals um, are, are the cause of crunch. Um, and, and I mean, that's something that we don't have in place at Dream Harvest. We, we, yeah, the game will be done when it's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got, you can have issues with production, you know, being allowed to plan out fixes and updates in an unrealistic manner, PR teams not making promises and assurances mm -hmm. without the blessing of the rest of the team. And then everyone else, I mean, it, it really has got to be a culture thing where mm -hmm. if, you know, you need a couple of days off, I don't turn around and look at you going, well, I can't believe you're <laughs> taking two days off. I mean, you've got to, yeah. you've got to treat your, your fellow employees with an ounce of respect and not, you know, mm. chastise them and make them feel guilty because they have things like, Oh, I don't know, mental health, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a whole lot of issues and people always jump and they say, well, it, you know, it's the executives. And it's like, no, it's not just the executives. It's, mm -hmm. it's a problem we have all the way through no, the system. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I, know, I completely agree. I think, I think, I mean, we, we have a, we have an advantage being a small studio is, is we can make sure that from day one, our policies around all of that stuff are for the benefit of everyone who's working on the games that we work on. Um, I, you know, I hate the word employees because really everyone, everyone at the studio is a partner. Everyone is, you know, we're a family rather than there being managers and employees. And, and I care about every single person on the team, uh, and their welfare and, and you know, and one of the lovely thing is definitely within the indie space, I'm seeing more studios have the same kind of mindset as we have in that respect. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there are times where I, I have had to say say to people, "Hey, why are you working at this time of the night?" <laughs> uh, but I guess when you're passionate about something, and and you know, because the, the thing is for us, like, this might be our job, but it's also our hobby as well and it's yeah and, and and i made that comment you know at the last outrage you know fest we had when, when bioware got you know thrown under the bus and, and all this stuff came out we as a industry and the employees in the industry are our own worst enemy mm -hmm. because it is it, it's like this we do this because this is what we love yeah and yeah. 
because we love it, we are more apt to go, okay, I'm going to work extra hours because I enjoy doing it versus, you know, if I'm a teller at the bank, uh, I'm not, I don't typically want to sit around for an extra three hours cashing people's paychecks, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah. but you know, we've got to have a better way of self-regulating throughout the system and not just turning around and, and blaming it on, mm-hmm. you know, one aspect of the industry. So, no, you know, no, no, definitely. Well, I, I mean, one other thing, I mean, like much of the work I end up doing in the evenings, I don't even consider really work for me. It's fun. I, I enjoy talking with I enjoy building a new website for the company. I enjoy, for me, it's not work. It's it's yeah. It's, it's no, just. I mean, I, I I'm the doing. same way. It's like I, I you know, I, I have a, I have an office that's completely separate from you know. Yeah, I work at home, but it's not. I'm not working out of like a side bedroom. You know, my office is. You have to literally go outside and then go back inside to get to the house. Okay. okay. At the same time, in you know, in the evenings. I'm, frequently sitting on the couch with my laptop doing something, you know, that's just the way it is. (laughs) And you have to, and someone just asked in, in chat, it's like, when you're your own boss, how do you stop working too much? And, you know, my my response was, it's my own damn fault if I'm working too much. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, and, and I have this very nice, you know, regulation device called my wife and son, and they will look (laughs) at me and go, um, we're going to do something as a family now, or are you going to keep yeah. doing whatever it is you're doing? So I know that, and then that's, that's part of the challenge of our industry. Nobody gets into this industry because they want to get rich. And if they do, they're a fool, but you know, we do it because we love it. So, all right. Um, so let's talk about, you know, back to community and, and early stage marketing and all this other stuff is, you know, the three like little pillars of your messaging, you know, defining what the game is, what you want it to be and what it is not. Is that something that you see you, you have to do early on, you do it early on, iterate on it, or is it something that comes into effect just kind of like through the process of, 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 you know, the development of the game? Uh, I think it very much comes into, it comes into play during the development of the game. I mean, um, I kind of, we personally only did it recently. Um, because I didn't really know about this stuff until more recently, over the last year or so. Um, I think uh, obviously doing it a bit earlier and then and then, and then um, iterating on it throughout the development process is also good. To be honest, with, with, with a lot of this stuff, um, it's a it's a process of iteration. I mean, the the um, the elevator pitch, for instance, like you, the first elevator pitch that you ever do in front of a, 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 an investor or a publisher. It's probably going to be awful. Um, it's, uh, but that's part of the learning process. You you need to fall down again and again and again. And again. I mean, unless you hire a consultant to help you. I mean, uh, not, yeah, but not that I know of any. I'm just saying there no, are course, people out there that can do this sort of stuff. No, true, true. But there, there is obviously a benefit to to, to doing yourself and, and learning through those mistakes. And um, because you know, I never used to be a confident person. For me, I I, I was always you know very shy around people i hated being in a room full of lots lots of people um but it was through this process of 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 pitching again and again and again and getting feedback actually from these investors saying you know your pitch was bloody awful or whatever (laughs) (laughs) It, it helps to build up that confidence and it helps to um it helps you to really refine you know what is your game going to be? What, you know what do you game? What, what what do you want your game to be? 
Um, and I and I think that's, that, that there's so much value behind that. Um, you know, the none of this marketing stuff, none of this this branding stuff. Uh, there's no there's no easy way to work it out. Um, the main thing is you want to make sure that, that everyone in your team is on the is on the same page, that you guys all agree, uh, guys and girls uh, agree that 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 um, these are kind of you know your core pillars as a company and and and, and as a as a product. Um, but yeah, the earlier you start doing it, the better it will be by the time you you get to the point where you want to spend money on marketing and, and you want to spend money on, on um, you know, work with PR agencies and all this, uh, it, the better it will be when you start getting interviewed by people. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say start it super, super early, but like, I think the moment you start wanting, wanting to speak to people, you should really be thinking about it. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my opinion. And, and, you know, we could absolutely keep going for another hour about all the knowledge that you dropped in this article. And But I know we've all got stuff <laughs> to do as well. I'm going to post the article right there. Um, but, you know, Justin lays out exactly how, you know, here are the phases of your development, what you should be doing at this phase, what you should be doing at that phase. And, and uh, it, it, it's a wonderful wonderful knowledge dump basically what's what's um, really important with, with, with that is just to make sure you know what, what what's right for us might not be right for you know your studio um but at least it's a framework to kind of work from and obviously you use discord as that community hub that you talk about is is discord, discord for you all yeah, basically yeah, yeah. And different studios may have different things but i mean let's face it discord has really come on, especially in this industry, as the, the go-to place to do it. And, and, you know, he breaks down your channels that you need to have and rules. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a fantastic, fantastic article. Uh, so what, I mean, you've got some tips and tricks that we can go through real quick. Mm -hmm. But I want to also, once we get through that, I want to I want to go and, and <clears throat> a little bit beyond. And it's like, how what else have you learned a little bit and so you said number one make your news and welcome channels read only so important messages always stay in view uh pin pin and pin some more start pinning interesting conversation topics so you can direct newer members to your community newer newer members of your community to them and get their instant input on things and that's also really good for not having to answer the same question 500 times yes. um <laughs> Don't be afraid. So this is interesting. Don't be afraid to join a bazillion other Discord groups. Um, how do you manage that? Because I mean, I, I'm probably on 15 Discord servers, but 10 of them I never go through. I mean, how do you, as the developer, as the people that are, how do you, how do you remotely manage all that? I just, just, um, I kind of group them together based on on type. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a member of like a load of other. Real-time strategy games as Discord, uh, so I have all of them together. Then I have like uh, a load of kind of um, esports communities uh, all together. Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, to be honest, I, I I've been asking Discord to add a, a way to properly categorize servers that you're. Oh my god! I yeah, yeah they need to have folders or something that you can you yeah. know 
but some, yeah, but I do the same thing. I've got like role play servers, and I've got streaming ones, and then I have like indie indie business kind of ones. I yeah, I group them all together like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I, exactly the same thing. Yeah, and it, it, it works. And, and here's the one that you know I love because I had never thought of this. I replaced the hard to remember Discord invite link and set up a CNAME record on your domain. That's linked to a never expiring link. Yeah, that's that. That's actually amazing because yeah, I mean then it, then it's Discord dot you know ours. Once we get done with the show, ours <laughs> will be Discord dot Group Consulting or Indie Game. Whichever one I decide to use, <laughs> you know, as as a way to get. You know, you, you put it on a card, or you can put it, you know, wherever, and you don't have to remember yeah. whatever six or eight letter number combination Discord gave you. Or That's, you could just magically be a Discord partner and have something like well, yeah, Discord.gg yeah, yeah. yeah. slash Indy. Discord partners, Indy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so actually, it, it, uh, so so developers can now uh, get their their Discords verified really easily. Uh, you just need to pay the hundred dollar fee or whatever dollar fee it is. Uh, set up a load of stuff for your games, and then you can actually get verified and get a custom domain that way as well. Hey, uh, well, we have a question from Z Ratchet. What was the community management Discord that you mentioned? Uh, it is called the Community Leads Discord. You have to be invited by uh, the head of community management at Discord to it. I shall <laughs> find out who, what her name was again. Um, Two seconds, let me just find out. You have to tweet at her and ask for access. Uh, two seconds, two seconds. Uh, but yeah, so so it, it's an awesome Discord as well. It's it's filled with all community managers from like Rebellion, CD Projekt Red. Uh, yeah, all, every major AAA you can think of uh, have their people. Uh, as well as Indies and the Discord team. It's the champagne room of Discord servers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll have to post. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post a link in in your Discord uh, afterwards to the to the um, the woman's Discord. Uh, sorry, the Twitter handle. That people can message her. If want to. Awesome. Yeah, access. So, I mean, aside from the four that we went through, I mean, are there are there any other tips and tricks for Discord that you've come across? Uh, um, so yeah, I mean. Obviously, share concept art in a dedicated channel um, that's maybe read-only uh, and then have a, a channel underneath that for people to discuss things uh, about the stuff that you're sharing. Um, talk about the problems and challenges you face as developers. Um, I think that's that's an awesome one. You know, you want to... I wouldn't say educate, but you want to... You want the community to, to realize like that, that game development is bloody hard and bloody expensive. <laughs> Um, because I think that helps mitigate toxicity and, and stops um, the big issue within this industry of uh, players being slightly entitled. Slightly? <laughs> it's <laughs> understatement of the year. When, when, uh, did, when did they only become slightly entitled? <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think I think that comes from a lack of education about really how this job is. Um, and, and, and so being honest and talking about that stuff in your Discord is, is, is awesome. Um, you want to talk about your team members, get your team members to get involved as well. So yeah, all this community stuff, like especially if you're a small indie, don't do it as a single person. Like Get get the rest of your team involved. Um, they, they might 
uh, give you a bit of pushback to start off with, but I think it's really, really important that the community gets to know the members on your, on your team, um, not just one person, um, especially if you haven't got a community manager. But even if you have a community manager, get the whole team on your Discord and get them all chatting with the community. <clears throat> um, I, think, I think that's a, you know, a really important thing. Um, you can do feature deep dives. Um, one of the really coolest things, so we, we do a thing called the Sentry Program, on our on our Discord, so we started this um, just before we did the pre-alpha, I think. Um, initially, with only four people or five people, and what it is, uh, we, we we got um, we put up an application uh, offering a free copy of the game, access to our development builds, um, and the ability for uh, these people to be invited to shows and events that we go to to help us demo the game. They had to do a, a, around a two-hour application. Uh, it was these crazy essay questions that made no sense. They, they, <laughs> we weren't really looking for the answers. We were trying to work out, find people that could um, think quite analytically and, and give us good arguments um, because we, we were looking for people that could give us really in-depth feedback. Um, and these people play test with us every every Wednesday and every Saturday night. And uh, now it's just every Saturday because we're doing something else. Um, because we're currently developing a lot of stuff, uh, but and every Sunday night we, we, we live stream with these people as well. But they have access to, to special uh, private channels. Um, they get access to the latest builds. Um, they, um, yeah, and they they've become like a proper extension of our community, uh, of our team um, because they really really help us out and they're brutally honest with us in, in terms of like gameplay. Um, in terms of our monetization strategies, we often share things with them before we share it with the rest of the community. Um, to kind of as like our first line, secret club. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it's a good, but that's a good way to reward non-toxic, good team members or yep. community members is, is yeah, by yeah. doing stuff like that. And, and it's yeah. worth noting that before you start, you know bringing community into your game you need to as a developer develop some thick skin because yep. they are going to be very brutal and if your response every time someone gives you a bit of criticism is you know the equivalent of kiss my ass i'm the developer <laughs> then it's not gonna work you know yeah. you you have to learn how to take criticism and not be a jerk about it and I mean, yeah, you're not going to follow every single thing that they do, but you know, you have to get different viewpoints on a lot of different areas of your game, or you're going to end up developing something that's got such a narrow niche focus that you're going to have like 14 units sold or something like that yeah. at the end of the day. So exactly, it's about compromise, you know, um, and 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 you know, you know, honest feedback is is the best kind of feedback. You know, it really allows you to make a better game. If, if, if everyone was just telling you your game is awesome all the time, like, you're not going to get anything out of that. You, know, you, and, you and, don't and, learn and from that. your successes and, and you don't get any better because your mom says your game is good. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, for, for me, it's I, I, I get really annoyed when people say the game's great because I know it's not. Uh, with, <laughs> I know with criticism, there's a technique to it. Right. So mm -hmm. when I went to Animation Mentor and part of our thing, our curriculum was we had to critique everybody, uh, as many other animations as possible. 
So it's mm-hmm. pretty much like, here's what I like about it, and da, da 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 But then you say, well, what do you think if you did this? Or mm-hmm. instead, you know, you can't just say, this is bad, because that is, yeah, yeah. that's not feedback at all. That's just being an asshole. <laughs> yes, yes. No, 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 that, that is true. And, 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 and I think if, if when you do bring on like a, you know, a, a team of these kind of like, as I said, we call them our centuries, uh, but yeah, testers, it's, it's about making sure that they have the right tools in place to understand how to give um effective and actionable feedback um because yeah i mean just saying something shit uh, isn't isn't you know (laughs) isn't useful um so one of the great things the way that we do things is is you know we'll play test for an hour and then we'll do like an hour of of literally sitting in in discord chatting uh about the issues that that, that kind of come up um and trying to dig a bit deeper into why (laughs) someone doesn't like something or not <laughs> okay. What's up? Just laughing. Are you laughing at chat? Yep. Yeah, I do too. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, we had someone in chat ask if we if we fund games, and I said no, but we can teach you how to get it. And they said, "Well, I'm not going to sub then." Well, you know what? <laughs> that, that's a lot better was... than to show Bob's, or I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> You know. That's All right. Weird. So if um, if you've got questions for Justin, we're gonna you know wrap it up shortly here. As always, you can find Justin and all of our guests on our Discord server, which until like the next hour or so doesn't have a very cool handle because we're not verified and I haven't set up a C name for the um for it yet. But if you're in chat, I just posted it right there in chat for you. Um, the uh. So real quickly, our business to business event that we did last month was extremely successful to the point that we're going to start hosting one every three months. So our next event is coming up July 15 and 16. uh, And I'll post a link to that. Tickets are, of course, already on sale. We've got a whole new um, website that should be live in the next 48 hours. Hopefully, if I did that right. where you can see all the stuff about it and, and actually more about the show. We've got a, we're going to have a real website for the show now that's got embedded videos and, and as all opposed of that to an stuff. imaginary one, right? Yeah. As opposed to the one that we literally don't have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, a lot going on here. Um, but check out our discord. If you've got business licensing, marketing questions for Justin, Indy or anybody, uh, there's a lot of really, really smart folks on that server. Um, I mean, that's, I'm good. If we don't have any, um, any questions from the crew, Justin, do you have any like parting thoughts? Um, no, just, just, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. And, uh, good information. Uh, hope, hope, yeah. Ho- hopefully some of it's usable. Um, obviously read through the article. It has a lot more in there. Um, we obviously didn't have time to cover everything. <laughs> there's, there's, a crazy amount of shit in there um but yeah thank you guys thank you so much for having me on you guys i really appreciate it hey we love it you're welcome you know anytime you want to come back and actually i'm gonna hit you up we are gonna have you back to talk about some of the stuff that we barely briefed on you know during this show because there's only so much knowledge we can drop in one hour with with our uh, tangents that we like to go on as well um but yeah yeah, jump in the Discord, me. Akina, if you got some questions. 
Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week because Jay's taking yeah, Friday off. Friday. He's going to go. Yeah. He's going to go wear his banana hammock and go hang out at the beach. Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. <Yeah. people. laughs> so I know next week we have uh, one guest already signed up. He was at GDC with the Indie Mega Booth, and he's going to be talking about his experience. You know doing a trade show for the first time by himself and and you know as an indie when you go to these shows like justice talked about going to obviously gdc is a, a big one but mm-hmm. when you go to a lot of these smaller shows you know how do you get ready what to expect all that kind of good stuff Wait. That's what exactly expect to be told your game sucks yeah whether it does or not people will tell you that all right we'll see y'all next week bye bye Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.